Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now, getting your product into one of the major supermarkets, let alone two, is a very, very rigorous process and full of pitfalls. So how did body wash brand Sunday Body do this before their product even existed? Then in one year, they moved 14 million units of their product. Yep, that's the power of what a big retailer can do for your brand. But remember that there are upsides, but plenty of downsides to getting your product onto the shelves. It's great for reach. Yep, these supermarket shelves are brilliant for reaching lots of customers. You're leveraging years and millions, tens of millions of dollars of worth of marketing stretch but you lose control of the merchandising of your product. Where it sits on the shelf, how it looks, etc. Sunday Body co-founder and CEO Lizzie Whaley explains her process and her strategy. And we also discuss about playing defensively for 2023. That's it, the year coming. Because I know there's a lot of concern about a potential recession. So how do you deal with it? And how's Lizzie Whaley going to deal with it? So let's get into it. Lizzie Whaley. Welcome to The Mentor. Thank you for having me. So you're the CEO, founder of what I've got in front of me here, something called Sunday Body, although this is called Sunday, but Sunday Body is a business, obviously. So give me a little bit of a background about what we got here, like whipped shower foam with kakadu plum and finger lime. You've got a body wash yeah. in your hand. Um, we actually only launched with a body wash. Yeah. Um, so we've got a range of 10 different flavors, but in terms of the brand, you know, we're a body care brand and we offer, I guess, what we like to call a joyful twist on body care essentials. So, you know, what that basically means is products that are designed to bring a bit of joy and fun into your daily routine. So the range is in the flavors it is. or fragrances. Yeah. When I say flavors, um, it's not something you eat. It looks like you could. So that one's Pomegranate Fizz. That is one of the fragrances and all our shower foam skews have kakadu plum and um, finger lime. Right. So they're our Australian extracts that we have in every single one of our body washes. Right. And what the variations are, are the fragrances. When you got kakadu plum, is that right? really kakadu plum and finger lime? Like actually... So finger lime and kakadu plum, they are Australian extracts. Um, <laughs> there it is. There you go. That it is. Um, and essentially, you know, they have vitamin C and skin brightening properties. So we have a percentage of our formula that you've got in your hand there 
contains that um, and it's meant to moisturise, brighten the skin. So, I mean, do I sort of jump in the bath with this or the shower? Like, how does it all work? Like, it's it's a bit weird for me, to be honest. <laughs> like, but, but not mind you, it's obviously selling. So it doesn't matter if it's weird for me because I'm a survey one, but why the name? Yeah. There were sort of, I guess, a few or three key you know, areas that we wanted to focus on when we came up with the name. We wanted it to be short, um, memorable, and we wanted it to somewhat be a bit of a literal representation of the actual foam. Um, so that's how we sort of landed on Sunday. Like a chocolate Sunday with like whatever those yeah. things we use because they, they sort of have that foamy cream shit all the time. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the foamy cream a, shit. Yeah, a banana. There was a banana and a chocolate sauce and they – is that is that the, the deal? Yeah, and I think – for us as well, having a reference to a dessert is a little bit nostalgic. And, you know, what we're really trying to create with this product is the feeling of joy. And I think that really comes back to our purpose of, you know, we create products to inject joy into your everyday. And, you know, you cannot smile without thinking. I mean, you can't think of a sundae or whipped cream without smiling. There is a sense of nostalgia and certainly an element of play there. So that's how we sort of came up with the name. Um, We did have so many sort of names on the drawing board, Fluffy, FOMO, (laughs) FOMEO, um, but it was really Sunday. They were really literal representations. How did you come up with the name? How did you and your your co-founder come up with this name? We had a branding agency that we were working with to develop this product and, and this brand. It was literally just a drawing board of hundreds of names. So it was packaging and product first and then we came up with the so name. Why foam? I guess maybe we'll go right back to the start and when we first sort of had the idea to, I guess, reinvigorate the body wash category, um, there were three key drivers, one being there was no innovation in body wash. You know, you had shower gels and bar soaps and, and that was it. N- neither were particularly exciting to use um, and you didn't, you know, you didn't look forward to using it. So that was one thing. The other thing was from an aesthetic point of view and packaging, you know, if you think about walking down the body wash aisle at Woolworths or Priceline, it's just a sea of black and white and neutral coloured bottles. There's not much happening in terms of the vessel. They're all sort of that pump mechanism bottle. From that perspective, we thought, let's do something different. Let's bring a bit of colour. Let's do something different in terms of the vessel. Both of those features really, we wanted to bring aspiration to the category, products that you actually look forward to to using and you buy based on how it makes you feel as opposed to, you know, what's the cheapest or what's discounted um, and you were intrigued and excited by it to when you took it home. Why do people give a shit about it? I don't. Um, but, I'm, again, I'm a survey one. But was there a moment that you, you were walking down the aisles of Woolworths for price and went, oh, my God, this is so fucking boring? That did happen to us. But what I guess reinforced it was, when we sort of came up with the idea, we went off and briefed a formulator or a chemist and we sort of said, what are our options here? We've got shower gel bar soap, what can we do? And she said foam and we instantly thought, well, why wouldn't we make it whipped cream and make it, uh, position it in that way? So off we went developing this foam whipped cream-like formula and COVID hit. So we were developing this brand around really this product and suddenly we were forced to find joy in the mundane. We were in Victoria. We were at the one of the harshest lockdowns. So for us, Victorians were really forced to find joy in the mundane. You'd suddenly look forward to going for a walk, applying your skincare at night. I was looking forward to cooking. I don't cook. I don't like cooking. You know, it was these everyday mundane tasks that you don't really 
think about too much. So this is a COVID child. Yeah, yeah. We were in development during COVID. For us, really made us realise that this product is perfectly positioned to address that joy in the mundane. COVID really inspired us to or inspired our purpose in terms of what are we trying to achieve with these features of a really cool bottle or cool vessel, interesting formula, luxurious formula. It's really at the heart of it. It's about igniting joy. I guess I'd like to know though, where was the moment? Remember thinking this is such a joyless. <laughs> I mean, what, do you remember having that conversation yeah. or and, and your co-founder goes, yeah, I agree. And, and then did you both say, Fuck, let's go and uh, create something new. My co-founder, Andrew, he'd just come back from travelling overseas. He was in Israel, Europe, and we are having dinner at his pub. He owns pubs. And um, we were actually hanging shit on those little wrapped bar soaps that you get in hotels. Yeah. He'd just spent, I think, about two months abroad. You've got to unwrap them. It's and you've got to unwrap them and it's just... And it's a waste. You've got to throw it them out. You could be in the nicest hotel and you get to the bathroom and you've got this shitty little white thing that you've got to unwrap you can't take it with you. Yeah. You can't do anything with it. It shrivels up. It's slippery. It's just nothing about it is, is exciting. So it really, the idea really just came from us bagging this. You're just riffing about it. Little soap. Uh, over yeah. a drink, over a glass of wine or a beer. Or yeah, something. many glasses of wine and a palmer. What takes someone like you two guys, take that big leap of faith, say, well, why don't we take this whole industry on? I mean, did you do some research to work out people are looking for a new product? Our research was mainly around competitors having a look at what other brands are doing in the space um, and that really identified, I guess, the gap or the need for innovation. Um, our second sort of point or data point was the market size. So if you have a look at the global body wash market size, it's like $50 billion or something like that and it's expected to grow like 5%. So for that we knew people were spending we knew that there was lack of innovation. We knew that people were spending in the category. And then I guess this was really validated when COVID hit and, you know, we were forced to find you know, joyful moments in, in everyday life. And that's where we felt that we, you know, could really, our product could really slot in quite nicely into our consumers. Is it for kids too? Like When we launched, we, and due to the price point, we positioned it for sort of females 25 to 44 what we didn't we knew kids would like it but what we didn't sort of foresee was that kids would really love it and mums would use it as I guess um a dangling carrot to get their kids into the bath an inducement yeah that's right and we've got so many friends that say you know um, Willow won't shower without Sunday now so that's been really nice and a bit of a surprise for us we've had to pivot in terms of our marketing that you know we are for females 25 to 44 but we are also for kids in terms of choosing like I, I don't know how to describe this as sort of a pinky dusty pink sort of orangey pinky thing whatever it's like apricot I don't know what this was <laughs> anyway some sort of color but that I can't put my finger on but there's that's a color palette um did you choose that particular color palette for any particular reason I mean was there research around that we uh, wanted it to be elevated still. What's that mean? Well, in, due to the price point, it needed to be at a price point of $20 yep. recommended retail. Um, so it's a luxury sort of, not luxury, but up the upper it's end. It's like accessible luxury. You know, we still are in supermarkets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is, you know, on the higher price point um, as compared to sort of other body washes in the category. So you chose this pastel colour because that fits more neatly into that price point. Yeah, and I think it's something that, 
you know, due to our market, females 25 to 44, it needs to be something that a 25-year-old is proud to have in their shower and also a 44-year-old is also pr- proud to have in their shower. So don't, didn't want to polarise anyone, um, but we still wanted to use colour and, and sort of that pastel range was where we landed. How did you determine what the scents are? <laughs> I wish I could say that we took a scientific approach like that, but we didn't. What we did was we lined up, I guess, all the colours and we reverse engineered the fragrance from there. So for example, we knew that we didn't want two really similar colors on shelf. We wanted to create a presence on shelf and um, have variety. So for example, our first four products that we launched was green, orange, um, like a beige and um, pink. (laughs) So from that, we knew that that was quite a nice spectrum of colors. And from there, we sort of worked back what a fragrance could be that I guess um, to suit that can. to suit the the color yeah 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 and I can imagine there was a lot of drama and engineering do you go out and get industrial engineers to design this for you no we we worked with our designer to sort of bring it to life we knew that we wanted to position it as a bit of a whipped cream can and from there she mocked up what it could look like she, she's an industrial designer though like no like no nope, she's just a graphic designer graphic designer yeah. yeah. Part of the peel really is the cap. You know, that's our point of difference. We, it's very phallic looking though. Pardon? It's very phallic looking, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. No, not at all. Look, it's not the first time we've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rather large, but still, that's shape-wise, it is anyway. I don't want to embarrass you. No, you don't look at, you don't, actually don't look embarrassed. You've probably been asked the question before. Someone's made not new before. news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but is that? That's not in the design. That's that wasn't a conscious no, move. No, of course not. No, 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 was, no, no that's okay. But it was it's fine. It's, it was because you know, like it's sort of got to be grippable and holdable and you know, pleasant, etc. It's um, look, it was. We wanted it to look like a, a whipped cream can. We wanted it right. to stand out on shelf. We wanted to really emulate that whole experience of whipped cream. You know, it's such an enjoyable experience from when you pop the cap open, you squeeze the nozzle, creates this really, really fun. Where's the fun? I mean, I don't understand. I mean, are you telling me that in the mornings I was in the gym, hey, I'm so having so much fun? It's about, for us, it's about bringing aspiration to the category. So buying products based on how they make you feel as opposed to price, it's a price-driven category. So I guess that feeling that we're trying to achieve is is the joy and the fun and I guess turning what would normally be quite a mundane experience that you probably haven't thought about, like taking a shower too much. Um, oh, I, t- I think about taking a shower every day. <laughs> but you probably don't think about the experience of no, it too no, much. No, it's just automatic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's about bringing attention to that, having a bit of a self-care It's moment. more a duty. So showering is a duty. It's something you've got to do for your health. It's part of your routine, it's, right? It's, it's, you've got to be clean regime. Mm-hmm. I think fun means different things for different people. Fun okay. is you know, having a phone party in the bath for kids. Um, it might not be so fun for me, but maybe it's more joyous. It's more of a luxurious experience. I feel good. It's a self-care moment. It's, yeah. you know, it's, you mentioned before, it's part of showering as part of your routine. Well, if you could turn that routine into a ritual, why wouldn't you? If you have to do it every day, why shouldn't you enjoy it? Does it get rusty if you no, leave it in the shower? No, alu- it's an aluminium can, which is... Aluminium doesn't rust. It yes. doesn't rust. Yeah. It's an aluminium alloy. So it wouldn't be just aluminium, it'd be aluminium alloy. Uh, and what about the environmental aspects of it? I mean, is it full of CO2 or? So it's got about 5% propellant. Yep. Um, so your sort of average aerosol, like a hairspray, might have 80% propellant. Right, so okay. it's got a small amount. It's a very, very small amount. From an environmental perspective, I think there is definitely a common misconception that aerosols, you know, damage the ozone layer. 
um, I think back in the 70s, they were using what was called CFCs or chlorofluorocarbons um, as the propellant. And that, you know, they found that that was sort of resulting in a depleting of the ozone layer. But in the 90s, it was completely ruled out and it was actually against the law to make aerosols with, with that propellant. So now all aerosols are made from uh, a non-ozone depleting propellant. So it does not have an effect on the ozone layer. In terms of the sustainability side of things, the entire can or packaging is recyclable. So everything from the aluminium cap to the can, uh, sorry, for the aluminium bottle to the cap, um, all completely recyclable, all made in Australia. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm holding a can of Sunday foaming pomegranate fizz. Really good marketing, packaging, etc. I get it now. But what's really important is you've got to market it. Instagram and all the social mediums, um, which I guess you use. But clearly one of the best ways to market these things is putting it on the shelf of the best marketers in the country, which are the big supermarket chains, for example, Woolworths and Priceline, because they market themselves and they drag in traffic and traffic can walk past and see your product and buy your product. That's the game. How do you get a $20 soap on the shelves of Woolworths? Because Woolworths are pretty tough. I mean, if they don't think it's going to sell, they're never going to put it on there. How do you do that? When we first had the idea, we always knew we wanted to be in supermarkets. It's where, you know, the average shopper, I think, goes through Woolies and Coles like six times a week. So for that... The uh, ex- an average person. Average person six times a week. My and they God, go I'm down the average. health and beauty aisle maybe once a week. I'm definitely not average. <laughs> no. Well, I do my most of my Woolworths shopping online, so I'm with you there. But it, effectively, it's, it's where we wanted to be. It's where the consumer is. It's the buying behaviour of, of body wash. It's generally bought in supermarkets. So... We always wanted to be in supermarkets, but we had no idea what we were doing in retail, no retail experience whatsoever. So our friends had told us, you know, there were distributors effectively and they would, I guess, manage the relationship between yourselves or the brand um, and, and the retailer. And we thought that's where we want to be. We want to lean on the expertise of a distributor, um, also mitigate risk in a way that they buy the, the product of you and then they're sort of responsible for making it sell in store. So so you you manufacture it, deliver it to the distributor, that's it. You've sold it. 
We've sold it. Yeah, to the distributor. To Who's the distributor? A uh, company called Polish Brands and mainly in hair care. Um, so they've got um, Grow and King's Domain and um, a, a few other hair care brands. Um, and they also have a lot of cleaning bands like Dr. Beckman and, and a few other brands like Don't that. Don't know any of them, but yeah, no, that's all right. So we were introduced to them by a friend of ours and it was very casual. You've got to chat to my friends. They're starting this brand um, that appreciate any advice. When we presented our pitch deck to them, um, they agreed to take us to Woolworths and to see how we went. So there was no guarantee that we were definitely going to work with them at that point. I think they were really wanting to see how we would perform. Had you manufactured your first four lines already? Like your nope. first, no. Prior to the meeting, the pitch meeting with Woolworths and, and Priceline, we sent plain white cans to them um, and we had the renders or the mock-ups in a pitch deck so they could actually see how the product was going to come to life and what the artwork was going to look like. But it was so, it was very much a sample, so much so that the cap that you're looking at right now has obviously been mass produced. It's, it fits the can perfectly. We did not have that. We had to get the caps 3D printed so they could at least see what it looks like. It was a prototype, but not the cap. <laughs> yeah, but a very early prototype. Very early. Not even with colour in it. No colour. <laughs> so what happens in those meetings when you sit down with Woolworths and the distributor? We did it over Zoom because it was COVID right. and we're in lockdowns and we weren't allowed to visit their offices. It's probably easier sometimes. It's less nerve-wracking. I don't know. I, I like to be in person. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. So we basically presented a pitch deck and it went through everything from the market size um, to why we exist and why we're different. Um, it went through a really extensive marketing plan because we knew that we were going to have to, I guess, invest a lot of effort and time um, into marketing it because we're effectively changing behaviours um, in terms of how people consume body wash. What we also presented was, um, I guess, the estimated size of the business and what we would actually be bringing to the category from a dollar perspective um, as well as like our road product map so that they could see, you know, beyond just this body wash that we did have plans to expand and grow and it wasn't just going to be a fleeting one-off novel purchase. What are the sort of questions, like, does Woolworths think grill you? Not at all. The only challenge we had at that point was our price point. Right. So were you, were you at 20 bucks in? We were at $20 yeah. and it was a non-negotiable we had to be. It was the absolute minimum that we could price it at to, to actually make money. make money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there were, it was really important we were Australian made and, and not just filled in Australia with all our packaging, you know, sourced from offshore. Oh, so you pack, it's made here in Australia? It is completely made here. The cap, the can, um, even the nozzle. Which is, costs more money. It's, it's so expensive to yeah. do business in Australia. Totally. So you had to sell at 20 bucks. So that was non-negotiable from your point of view, but Woolworths aren't necessarily into you know, super expensive stuff. So how did you convince them that $20 was the right price point? It really came down to, I guess, our purpose and why we thought, well, why we believed that we were valued, that we, that people would buy it at that price point. Um, and really it was around that value proposition around that feeling that we were trying to achieve. Not to mention, we also, I guess, presented a quite aggressive in-store promo plan. So, you know, yes, we are $20, but as part of, you know, being in store, you have to discount. It's there's it's a non-negotiable. So by the time we do our, you know, 20 times discounts a year, our average price came down to $13.50. Basically, as part of being on shelf, you need to discount. They want to provide value to their customers that come in. So 
we get the same amount because we sell to our distributor. Our distributor is responsible for, they take a margin. You know, retailers take a margin for being on shelf. Distributors take a margin for selling it through. Um, and that comes out of their cut. So they're required to put us on promo a certain amount of times a year. We're on discount or promo 20 times a year. So that kind of brings our $20 RRP down to $13.50. Don't get me wrong, it's still more than double the price of the average body wash, which is $6.41. So $20 is the non-negotiable recommended retail price after you work out how much everybody else gets. Exactly. Yeah. and uh, But then when it gets sold uh, for $13.50, for example, during a, one of these 20 occasions when you've got to do a discounted promo period, um, I presume everybody's still making money though. Everybody's still making money. But not that much. Just less, less Yeah, money. not that much. Yeah. Yeah, not that much. And and who, who has to cop it in the neck? I mean, like who takes the biggest discount, you or the distributor or Woolworths? Probably not Woolworths. Definitely not Woolworths. In, when it's on promo, Woolworths and our distributor halve that cost. Yep. So They, uh, they cop it in the neck half each, so Half to speak. each, yeah. yeah. And we come out consistent in terms of our margin. And I guess the way I look at it too when people explain this stuff to me is that Woolworths are saying, look, we're effectively a marketing organisation because we draw people into our brand wars and as a result of that, that they walk up and down our aisles and they buy items which someone might be selling, in your case, foam. So therefore we're marketing it for you and there is a shelf margin, there's a cost to you, the manufacturer, that we're going to charge you as a result of marketing your product. And that could be a percentage. You could you could calculate it whatever way you want. It could be a percentage of the recommended retail price. It could be um, a margin they add on to the price you sell to the distributor who then sells it to them. It doesn't really matter how it happens, but it's a it ends up being looking like a percentage of the recommended retail price that the marketing organisation being the shelf space gets. And someone told me not that long ago that it, it's around 35% of the recommended retail price is what goes to Woolworths? 50. 50. 50%. So they're saying, whatever you sell the product for, whatever you need, double it. And that's what we're going to sell it for. And if that doubling it makes it out of the reach of a buyer because the proposition's not strong enough, then we're not going to put it on the shelf because we, we can't afford to waste shelf space. Is that is that how they yeah. put it to you? I think you pay a premium to be where buyers are and where shoppers are. Thousands of people go through their stores every day. Millions. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you pay a premium to be on shelf. Yes. Yeah. Incredible brand exposure. And they're also spending hundreds of millions advertising more their brand every exactly. day. And that's what you're leveraging. Exactly. Because, you know, they're leverage they're building a marketplace for all consumers to watch. You can't afford to advertise on television like they do. You never compete with that. Uh, none of us will. And as a result of that, um, you can leverage off that and they've got to take their 50% of the recommended retail price or whatever that might be or whatever the retail price is at the particular time. In terms of, and I get that, makes sense. In terms of there's a lot of stuff on the, on the shelf for this category, I guess. How important is it, the shape, the colour and whatever support marketing you do to make sure that when someone's walking down the aisle they see your product Sunday. How do you go about that? So I'd probably split that up into before they get in store and then after they yep. get in store. So before they get in store, how important is marketing? Well, it's, it's everything to our business. It's it's how we attract new customers, how we retain existing customers. And 
you know, we spent a lot of time at the start and when we launched our brand around building trust. So, you know, we did this via credible sources like publications, influencers, um, even other brands, partnering with other brands to build that trust as well as, you know, drive product trial. So we gave away a shitload of product at the start, did a lot of gifting, did a lot of giveaways. Um, so there was a lot of work right at the start to build that trust. So are you relying on customers to come to look for your product or are you relying on customers just to be wandering around the aisle and say, oh, wow, that looks new, I'll try that. Oh, I have think I heard of it. How does it work best for you? Which one? Yeah, we're relying on our marketing. I think our product is a considered purchase because of the price point. So, yeah. you know, there is a bit of an education piece to move people away from their trusty body washes that they probably haven't changed up in years and try something completely Hello, new. Yeah, there you go. I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking new formula, new texture, new vessel, new brand. So it's a lot of work to convince someone to move someone to move away from that. Um, and for that, you know, we really had to create and work hard to create emotional connection to our brand, to our product. And what about retention? How do you make sure that next time I go there, I do spend 20 bucks on it again, as opposed to saying, ah, oh, stuff that I'll, I'll go back to my old soap. I think it comes back to that emotional connection with your brand and ensuring that, you know, not only is your post-purchase experience absolutely optimised in terms of customer service, consistent you know, communication, um, yeah, consistent messaging. But it's also for us about creating memorable experiences. You know, we are an experience. Our purpose is really around the experience. So anything that we do has to have a surprise and delight element, whether it's when you go onto our website, view our content on social media, um, even the unboxing experience for us, all customers get the same box that influencers get, that media gets. It is. I'm an influencer. I got a box. <laughs> so it's all it's all this really, all really centered around this surprise and delight element. Do those big chains review your product and say, ah, well, we're running out of space. You're out. I mean, how's that work? Every year they review. So you've got a year when you get in. You've got a year to make it work. Um, and and what does that mean, making it work? Sell everything on the shelves. Do they have like performance like numbers and say you got to sell this many at the I think it's, I'm sure they do. And that's something that our distributor manages directly with them. Um, and I think come range review year, which is once a year, then you've got that whole year to make it sell before they potentially pull you out. Yeah. Woolworths and Priceline is about 70% of our business and 30% is online. How sales going? Like like over the last, you probably, would you been out of like 18 months now? So we grew 130% from last year um, and we're, projected to grow another, to basically double that next year. We had in the last quarter our record week, which was 157000 in Woolworths in one week. Cans. Yep. Oh, it's $1,000, sorry. $150,000, yeah. yeah $150,000 cans. <laughs> and $142,000 in price line this week. So sales are going really, really well. So that's like, say, close to $300,000 um, uh, a week, um, which is like $15 million a year or something like that. It doesn't happen every week. I would love that if (laughs) if that happened every week. So it is a bit seasonal or or it goes in peaks and troughs? Peaks and troughs. It's heavily aligned with when you're on sale. Yeah. Um, As well as towards Christmas, we get a really big influx of sales because of Christmas gifting because they make great stocking stuffers. Yeah, okay. Okay. And also we sweat more and some of (laughs) them maybe take more showers as well. So um, I think it's pretty cool. Like it's uh, it's it's very interesting. I keep thinking of my grandson how much he'd love it. Like uh, 
um, just because if their senses are quite strong too, that he would smell it and he'd play with it. As, he would definitely have fun with this. Have you got a question for me? I do. There's a lot of talk about recession at the moment and I think as a small business it is paramount that we bulletproof ourselves and prepare to be as recession-proof as possible. So I'd love your advice on how we might go about doing that. Well, you can't, if, you can't, if, if a recession occurs, well, a couple of things, it's a big, big topic, by the way, but um, if a recession occurs, you've got to understand what a recession means. And there are all new different types of definitions of what a recession is today compared to say 10 years ago. Um, if a recession just means a technical recession, that means uh, two quarters where we don't have any GDP growth, I don't think it's really going to affect anybody. Where a recession, the new definition of recession is not only two quarters of negative GDP growth, which is, by the way, is a fictional calculation, but it doesn't matter, um, but also where unemployment becomes high. Our unemployment at the moment is record low. And even if our unemployment jumps a third from where it is now, it's still going to be at record low. So if it goes from 3.5% to 4.5%, that's still really low a really low unemployment number which means that Australians are basically employed, so they've got a job, they've got an income, um, and they can still afford to buy essentials. Question becomes whether or not really the question you need to understand as opposed to are we going to hit a recession is of your market, of your cohort of people who buy your product, what is the change in their net disposable income? say, from the beginning of this year to sometime next year in terms of your planning. And what are the things? So you need to have a profile who your buyers are. So you might have husbands and wives who have got a mortgage. You might have some business people who have got business loans. You might have people who have no debt at all. It might be male, female, couples, etc. You've got to try and work out and then be good if somehow you could work out where the skew is. I mean, in other words, where the greatest population sits or where the population, uh, where the populations, those populations are divided by number and then work out what's the effect of what is currently going on economically in this country that will affect their net disposable income such that they have less money to spend on items like this and they start to say, well, let's go get a cheaper item. My gut feeling is we will have a recession next year, but it'll be very mild, very mild. That's one. Um, two, I don't think um, unemployment is going to rise very much. Um, and if it does rise, it, um, it won't affect buying habits. The only thing that I would say to you is that in for you, if you have a lot of people in who are your buyers are in the mortgage belt, their net disposable income, depending on when they bought, if they bought in the last two years, could actually crash quite hard because – a lot of those people are on fixed rates and they're going to go to variable rates soon and their variable rate is going to be effectively double what the fixed rate is. So they will have negative net cash flow, negative net disposable income after they make all their payments. The good news is recessions only last in this country between three and 16 months. Good times and flat periods last nine to 10 years. And this is the first recession we have in 29 years in Australia, if we have one. 
So I think it'll be a mild recession. It won't affect um, employment. The question for you is how well you know the profile of your customer base and what is what is the net disposable income going to look like? And as a result of the net disposable income being harshly affected, will is your proposition strong enough to convince them not to change that habit? And or is your proposition not strong enough? Maybe you need to start driving into these people to make your proposition stronger so they choose some other thing to cut as opposed to this experience. One thing I know that happens during tough times, troughs as opposed to recessions, that's we're in a trough, heading to a trough, is that people tend to look for very cheap ways to spoil themselves. Chocolate, alcohol, Netflix sports, maybe this is one of those categories, the quick spoil. And if your research would tell you what your customer base want to do if we hit a trough, then you've got to tell them that's what your product does. It's the spoil. Chocolate category or cheap wine, cheap beer. This is maybe the same category, that one thing you should do for yourself during a trough time. And this probably lasts how many washes? About 50. That's a month, two months, nearly two months of spoiling yourself. Yeah. You only have to do that for uh, six cans and you'll be outside of the recession. So if we have one at all. Thank you. Really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Smalley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Jonathan Leondis.